Welcome to the podcast, Heroes of Brand Protection, Episode 1. Welcome to our very first episode of Heroes of Brand Protection. I am your host, Daniel Shapiro, Vice President of Brand Relations at Redpoints, the world's fastest growing brand protection solution with a mission to make the internet safer for brands and consumers. In this podcast, we'll get to know the stories of some of the world's leading experts in brand protection and anti-counterfeiting. Today, we are thrilled to have John Carrero, Senior Director of Brand Protection and Under Armour, who has always wanted to be in the investigation space, and we are looking forward to hearing his personal story. Hi, John, and thank you for joining us today on our first podcast. We love having you here. Hey, thanks, Daniel. I really appreciate being invited. Awesome. So, uh, John, my first question to you is, uh, how many coffees does it take in the morning to get you ready for your job? <laughs> um, I don't know if I need coffee to get ready for my job, but I absolutely love coffee. So um, let's say four. I enjoy several coffees throughout the day. Yeah, me too. Awesome. And I was thinking about this, you know, what's one of the funniest things or experiences you've had in your career in life, you know, of, of all the things that have happened in your world? Is there something that stands out as sort of the funny thing? I don't, I don't know. Um, funny. Um, I, I, I will say one experience I had uh, with a, like later in my career, as far as like brand protection, we were having trouble finding a counterfeiter and I just visited his shop and I was sitting there patiently waiting as he counted thousands of dollars from one of, one of these uh, people buying counterfeits. And she was, she happened to, I think she was from Columbia and she was complaining that the counterfeits she was purchasing were, were horrible. Um, so I stood up and, and looked at the computer and joined her side and argued with the guy and said it was terrible and he should do better. And then he asked me what I knew about counterfeits and I said nothing. And he said, have you ever been to a factory? I said, no. Um, and he offered to pick me up at my hotel and bring me to the factory the next morning. So um, it was it was one of those special investigations that just happened to come together. So we found them. And, you know, with with new technology, I dropped a pin and the investigators that were following us said, OK, I, we have your location behind that gray wall. And then we took care of it, you know, later that week. So that was kind of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So we just got invited in. <laughs> now that doesn't happen every day, I'm sure. No, it doesn't. We have to be lucky. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up besides what you are today? What did you want to be? Um, I think I always had a desire to do investigations. Um, my, my dad was a police officer. So I always, I always kind of pictured that law enforcement, CIA, you know, special agent type role. Awesome. Um, so I always knew I wanted to do something in that field. Great. So uh, how did you get here then? How did you, how did you get here on your career journey? What did you study? What did you do to get here? Yeah. So um, let's say as a junior in high school, um, I was, I was tired of school. I got good grades, but I only got good grades so I could play sports. Um, and I was really tired of studying and books. So I, I went and visited an army recruiter who 
you may not hear this all the time, but was a very, very good recruiter. And I just wasn't a number. So he, he helped me through the whole process, gave me tests, different batteries. Um, and taking the tests and doing well on the tests, it provided the opportunity to join and enter into military intelligence. And I think that was really the start of my passion for international travel investigations. And then, you know, um, after four years active, I had to make that decision. Do I get a degree, right? Or do I make this a career? And, you know, I took a step back and said, you know, this isn't really part of the plan. I, you know, CIA or something. So I got out, I went to Ohio State, I studied criminology. And then, uh, you know, you, you put yourself in a position to get lucky, right? So um, met some people, joined L Brands, moved to Abercrombie. Um, I did I did some uh, canine security. I did some uh, very little executive protection, but almost every aspect of security work you could do in a corporation, um, I, I was given that opportunity. And then really, I think I I grew up in Abercrombie as far as investigations from fraud, fraud investigations, mostly domestic um, retail. And then, you know, we started to see counterfeits grow. So it was just, it's kind of a natural progression, you know, and our COO one day said, you know, pick a lane. You can do corporate security, you could do campus security or, you could start this new program of brand protection that you seem to be good at. So I jumped on the opportunity. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, that's a great journey. And, uh, you know, I think um, it's a good reminder, I think, sometimes to people, you don't always know where you're going to go, but you got to get started. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those things, like the path doesn't always have to be straight, right? Exactly. You know, you can you can zigzag a little bit as long as you, I think you keep your eye on your goal. Sure. And, and maybe for those who don't know uh, uh, about your business and you know the company you work for, maybe uh, provide us a, a brief overview of your uh, role and the business that you work for. Yeah. So uh, eight years ago, um, I was talking to some of the security folks at Under Armour and they were building a program and just wanted some advice. Um, and it led to just a series of discussions. And, you know, Under Armour was, was one of the probably three companies I would consider making a change for. It was a, it was a brand, you know, on all of our raids at Abercrombie, most of the guys were wearing Under Armour. You know, it was, it yeah. was the premier product, especially in, in some of those warmer climates. So, yeah, so I, I joined Under Armour and... You know, for folks who don't know what Under Armour is, I believe everyone does. We're probably number three or number four in the world as far as sports apparel and footwear. Um, but, you know, we, we look at ourselves as, you know, the, the performance sports gear. And, you know, our goal is to empower all athletes uh, at every level, you know, who strive to do more. Um, you know, and we, we say at Under Armour, you know, we make we make athletes better. And it's whatever their better is, you know, faster, stronger, more endurance, jump higher, wh whatever their goal is. And it's not just for the professional athletes. It's for every athlete. 
Yeah, right. I mean, even all, even athleisure stuff, right? I mean, you you really grow in the business to all sorts of segments. Yeah, um, you know what we make we make beautiful clothes, right? But we're not we're not fashion. We're it, it can be worn in fashion, but it really is performance gear. But we we are seeing our 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 products just, especially now. You know, everyone's home. You know. They're relaxing. I, I've heard people say that they, they haven't put on a pair of real pants in, in months, which is funny, right? Sure. They're in sweatpants or, you know, their yoga pants or whatever. But even so, people put on a shirt and wear their Under Armour shorts below, right? So, yeah, I've seen some of that, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's great product. So what's one of the hardest things you've had to do in your job as running uh, the brand protection team in terms of, you know, something you've bumped into a number of times that's been difficult? Um, I don't know what's hard. I think I don't, I don't, I don't look at our job as hard. I think we just have to be persistent and have a strategy. Right. Um, but as far as hard, it would probably have to be with, you know, personnel, you know, either hiring the right people or maybe parting ways with, with some of the people who they don't subscribe to, to your process or they're not good for the team. You know, you could have great, great people, really, really smart people who are just a little toxic for the rest of the team. So I think that's the hard part is, you know, keeping in mind, you know, the team and the dynamics when you're bringing on new folks. Well, and you're so global probably in this, in the makeup of your team as well, right? Well, yeah, it's funny that that happened like within the last two years. Um, Really, it was me. Um, And then about two years ago, we got to start adding folks regionally. So someone who's overseeing Latin America, someone for EMEA and, and, and and two folks now in APAC, hoping, um, if my bosses are listening, that we do get that headcount for, you know, the web. So that's, that's, that's what we're waiting on now. Well, I'm sure this will do it for sure. Yeah. Um, With your help. Yes. Uh, So, so maybe a a couple other questions. So, so what does tomorrow look like uh, for you in your job? Tomorrow as in, you know, the, the, the problems that that we're going to face. Yeah. The challenges ahead, you know, as we think about, next year and the year after? Yeah, well, let's say post-COVID, like once we get back to normal and we can travel, um, I still think we're the the online problems are going to um, increase. I, you know, we see, we've seen this shift now from, you know, the, the brick and mortar to these, these hidden counterfeiters online. You know, in a company like yours, Red Points, who's doing great work in that space. I think many brands are going to rely on you and your expertise to help us out. Sure. And, and um, what do you see as the outlook of the, in, in brand protection in the sports industry? I mean, obviously it seems to me that, um, you know, the, the sporting goods industry is growing, you know, if not faster than most other industries online. Do you see any specific challenges as it relates to the unique world of the sporting goods space? No, I, I don't think I see unique challenges for us. I think, you know, 
I think for a group, let's say the brand protection community, I think the challenge is always how can we work together? How can we conduct joint investigations and joint operations? You know, we we tend to talk about it and, and attend these conferences and we all talk and believe in cooperating, but it's really, really difficult to find targets that everyone can agree on and move at the same pace. So I think these joint operations um, will be key, you know, especially like in a, in a year like this year where funds aren't re- readily available. I think we, we're always looking for ways to, to save a little money or cooperate. Um, so, and you know what, and I'm not saying that our team does everything perfectly. So sometimes when you're working with other groups, you can figure out or learn, you know, some other techniques or, or meet other, um, say investigative groups that, that are active in that space that you might not have been aware of. Right. I think you're right. I think collaboration, right. And, and who are the partners whom you collaborate with are probably the the key components, perhaps. Yeah. Um, listen, external partners, as far as investigators and law firms, I think we have some of the best, but it is that joint cooperation within the industry sure. that, that I think is still remains uh, difficult. And maybe on a, a, a quirky, more uh, uh, lighthearted uh, question, what, what, what's the common, what would be a common myth in your profession or something you debunk when people think of brand protection, uh, they sort of put people in one bucket. Is there something to debunk there of brand protection professionals like yourself? Um, I, I don't, I guess maybe I don't know all the myths, um, but you know, I, I think what, what you commonly hear as far as counterfeits or at least consumers want to believe that their factory seconds you know, it's it's factory rejects. It's coming from the, the same factory. And, and that's not true. Um, there may be times where factories are running, you know, um, some sketchy operations or they are leaking, you know, your excess product. Um, but, you know, I think general consumers want to believe that what they're, you know, the counterfeits they're buying are legitimate product from legitimate factories. They're just, um, you know, they're, they're, they're just, you know, sold out the back door. Yeah, that is a good debunking one. I think that's awesome. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of entering into the brand protection world, who sees this as a good career path for themselves? What, what advice would you give them? Um, I'd give them the same advice I give myself almost every week. Be patient, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this year is really challenge my patience. Um, so be patient. Um, and then, you know, know what your goal is, you know, early, I was fortunate early on, like I said, 17, I knew what I wanted to do in general. Um, so know what your goal is and, you know, don't give up on it. Just continue to pursue it. Um, recognize the opportunities, right? They're, they're not always crystal clear, you know, you might have that gut feeling like, hey, this sounds like a good opportunity. Do a little research, but then, you know, make a decision, take the opportunity and, and be willing to work for it. You know, the other thing is don't chase money. You know, a high paying job doesn't always equal opportunity. 
And if you're sitting behind a desk making a boatload of money doing nothing, I doubt you're happy. I mean, maybe you are. There's some people, I guess, who will sit around and or, you know, binge Netflix on their work computer or something. But, you know, in general, you know, pursue the opportunities and the challenges instead of the the money. I, I, I truly believe the money will come. That's that's great advice. Awesome advice. I think I think we all just learned uh, a little bit by listening to that. One other thought I had is, is there a brand protection? Can you name a brand protection hero who, whose story you'd like to hear? Um, I, I can name a hero. I, I know most of their, well, not most of their story. I know a lot of their story. Um, do you know Barbara Coulson? I don't know. Oh, okay. So good. Um, Barbara Coulson is, uh, she's a phenomenal woman. She was general counsel at several of the fashion brands like Kate Spade, Calvin Klein, Seven, Seven for Mankind, and Stuart Weitzman, I think. Um, just brilliant lady. She's done a lot for the brand protection community. And she, she also gives back not only to the, the legal profession, but also to just you know normal community events. Very charitable, very kind heart, and just a fantastic woman. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So look her up, Barbara. Carson. I am. It's on. It's on my list. As soon as okay. we, as soon as we finish up. Um, and lastly, um, as we move on to our next uh, podcast after yours, uh, we'll be speaking to Nicole Klug from Hugo Boss. And we thought, what's the question John would want to know from Nicole? Like, what would you want her to? What was the first question we got to have her answer? Yeah. Okay. Well. So this is interesting. I don't know Nicole. Um, I've been on several calls with her, um, but I, I don't really know her. So um, basically she could answer anything that would, would be interesting for me. But I, I have this paperweight that says, you know, what would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail or if you knew you couldn't fail? Right. So, you know, at what any point in her life, whether it was high school, college, now, is there one thing she looks back and says, well, I wish I would have done that, whether it was like a high school musical or, you know, taking some some course or something? What What's the one thing she would redo? That's awesome. Well, listen, when you tune in for Nicole, that will be the first question we ask her. Okay, super. So, John, what would you do differently if given the opportunity? <laughs> um. I, I don't know what I would do differently. My my wish would be um, to have parallel lives, right? I would love to have seen what my military career would have been had I been able to just continue to pursue it because there was plenty of opportunity. And I absolutely loved it. Um, but I'm, I am happy with the choices I've made, but that that's the one thing I would, I just like to glimpse, see what it would have been like. That's awesome. And John, thank you for your participation today. I think you provided an enormous amount of insight for all of us. And we thank you again for joining us. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to listening to your future podcasts. Thank you. Thank you so much, John, for joining us today in this episode. The three main takeaways that really resonated for me were follow your passion the importance of getting the right people for the right job, and being patient when building your career. That's it for us today. 
If you like what you've heard, check out our next inspiring personal story from another hero of brand protection. You can follow us on all of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Twitter and LinkedIn. Please make it a good day. Thank you.